Welcome to the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage pastors, to equip leaders, and to engage the community with the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Jeremy Randolph. Welcome to another edition of our podcast. Today, we continue our series on spirit-led preaching. This is our fifth episode of this series. Once again, if you have not listened to the first four, I would encourage you to take a look back in your podcast app and listen to those. So this is our fifth episode. And in today's episode, Pastor Chris Wigley of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas, talks about the Holy Spirit in sermon preparation. Spirit and the sermon's uh, preparation. Uh, One of the things that leaped off the page to me is even in our preparation, we are depending upon the Holy Spirit, not ourselves. In other words, preparation is not just mechanical. It is very much so spiritual. I think what we've been laying up until this point, or at least my take on sitting here and listening and learning myself, is that he's been laying a foundation, and, and this chapter becomes a little more practical. And so what I want to do with this chapter is... You know, not so much just regurgitate it, but kind of give you some things that, that I've learned along the way. What was really interesting, the reason why I asked Jeremy that I could present this chapter is um, my doctoral work was on sermon internalization, not from the hearer's perspective, but from the preacher's perspective, and the increase of effectiveness in the communication that comes whenever the sermon has been internalized by the preacher itself. And so preparation has everything to do with internalizing uh, what we are preaching, um, and to you know, to Joel's point, if we're not willing to do what the Scripture says, then we have no business stepping into the pulpit, even though we may fail miserably at what we are presenting. It is vitally important to internalize that. So, I think he's turning more to the practical. He talks about four aspects to spirit-led preparation: uh, the text selection, study, incarnation, incarnational preaching, and then internalization. When you think about selecting the text, uh, the quote that I stood out to me there was one of the keys to spirit-led preaching is believing that you have the right message at the right time for the right context. And the spirit leads us to that, uh, to give to his people. You know, uh, one of the things that I often say is uh, I never refer to Trinity as my church. It's Jesus' church and this is his people. And he's just asked me to steward it for a little bit. And so I'm to be to be a vessel for him. But when it comes to text selection, he identifies two extremes. The week-to-week specialists, they don't know where they're going until Monday morning. And then they're going to determine what, what text they're going to preach. And then what he calls, uh, or maybe I dubbed this, I don't know if he actually uses this word, the hyper-planner. It's someone who charts it out for two years in advance. And uh, I just wrote down a guideline. My guideline is to prayerfully plan with flexibility to change. One of the things that COVID has taught me is to never say again, this is what I'm going to do. It's taught me to say, I plan to, you know. And so let me tell you how I do this. I, I chart out a year in advance, but I give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to interrupt. Um, I spend one week in the summer uh, where I'm not going to be in the pulpit. I get away. I don't want any distractions. And I just spend time in prayer, 
say, oh God, where do you want to take the people of Trinity Baptist Church in the next year? And allow that prayer to then be filled or answered in the filling of my thoughts. And I begin just jotting things down as they come to my heart, as I, you know, I pray over specific circumstances that are happening within our church. And I develop about a year out. If you guys are looking for a good tool on how to do that, ministry pass, if you guys have a, are a member of a ministry pass, they have a preaching calendar that will help you measure out a year. Um, you know, we select, I select text, things like that. I did something for the very first time that I've never done. Back on spring break, I uh, met up with my mentor, and we are currently writing a sermon series that we are preaching through right now that, we're, that we call Greater Than. And we work through several key circumstances that we believe are common to all of our experiences. We identified passages. We spent an entire week in uh, Clearwater, Florida, uh, most of the time on the beach, uh, but uh, the little bit of the time we're doing work. And, uh, and we, we wrote out themes and directions and scriptures and, and all of that outlined the, the text, considered what's happening on our calendar, and we charted this whole thing out. It's a, I'm doing eight weeks, he's doing seven weeks, so we don't feel tied to preaching the exact same sermon. We share with each other our study notes, our thoughts, and it's been very, very enlightening. How to see how the Holy Spirit uh, works in, in my mentor and the direction that he's taken, what the Holy Spirit's doing with me and, and my study and how that collides. And so just uh, some simple ways on how, how I go about preparing. But one of the things that Heister points out that I think is extremely important is uh, the balanced diet approach. In order to preach the whole counsel of God, we should, um, we should seek to have a balanced diet in our preaching. For example, book study versus topical series. January, we preach through the book of Daniel. Uh, we're preaching uh, greater than now, which is primarily New Testament. So try to do a balance of Old Testament, New Testament, to be sure to preach the whole counsel of God. I know other people that only do book studies. That's fantastic too. That's another great way to do that. Let me share with you a failure that I had in terms of text selection and planning. Whenever I left for spring break to go do this planning, we were in the book of Daniel. And it just so happened that the Sunday before I left, we were in Daniel chapter 9. And if you know Daniel chapter 9, there's the, the first part of it is pretty uh, practical. You know, it talks about uh, prayer and things like that. Then the last few verses, the last 7, 10 verses or so in Daniel chapter 9 is when he gets into the 70 weeks. And it's really technical and extremely difficult passage, especially to preach and prepare. I said, hey, I need you to preach in my absence. And you happen to have Daniel chapter 9, the second part. And uh, he goes, oh, gee, thanks. Um, and what I, what I didn't do, what, what I, my failure was this, is I was too tied to the preaching plan than I was what was happening with, within the context of the church. And what really I should have done is been willing to flip-flop with him. Yes, I know we're going to skip ahead. Of the first part of chapter 9, I'm going to do the second part, uh, but I was too tied to my plan, and therefore I negated, you know, maybe not, maybe the Holy Spirit uh, worked uh, even in, in light of all of that, and he preached it better than I could have. But just one way of how I should have not have been so tied to the preaching calendar and should have considered other circumstances. Uh, but my success that I would share with you is I enjoy the one-year preaching calendar with, with elder input. So... 
the second aspect to spirit-led sermon preparation he talks about is study. Uh, the quote that stands out to me is spirit-led preachers who follow spirit-directed preparation ultimately end up preaching spirit-empowered messages. He gives an example of whenever he was going to go be an interim pastor or be considered uh, to be voted as their interim pastor. And he talks about the difference between a spirit-led sermon versus a safe sermon. Uh, spirit-led being what God desires for his people to hear. Safety led being one that everyone would like. And and I don't know about you, uh, my personality, I have a tendency to be a people pleaser. And uh, and so I really battle that very dynamic. Uh, but if we're going to be faithful to all of God's word, we need to preach what the spirit of God is prompting us to preach. Not just what will make us look good or sound good or be appeasing to our people. And so sometimes the best thing for people is a challenging word. He then goes into three aspects of spirit-led study. He talks about the spirit in laziness, the spirit in illumination, and the spirit in shaping the message. One word that uh, one of my mentors used to say to me is he said, Chris, uh, lazy loves ministry. It's an easy place for lazy people to hide. And what, one thing that I've learned is study is anything but lazy, and good ministry is anything but, but lazy is extremely difficult challenging work and is exhausting at times and so what i put down there three aspects of spirit-led study is study requires hard work if you're going to be a man approved by god it requires that you and i put in the hard work of study and even depending upon the spirit and the and the process of that study is vitally important study develops conviction heisler says illumination brings us to, uh, to the text with the deep conviction that God will speak to us and transform us. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I have dropped my pen in my study and said, oh God, what a wretched man I am. And to, to pause and to, to repent in preparation to preach. And then thirdly, study leads to a burning heart. My experience is that when I preach with a burning heart or a burdened heart, the sermon is much more effective than I could have ever dreamed of. Let me tell you a failure uh, that was highlighted in, in, in my life, uh, and it goes back to the what Joel was talking about, the slipping into the task-driven aspect of, of our calling or our jobs. I'll read a commentary or listen to a sermon before I even read the word for myself. And, and I, I readily admit that that is a failure on, on my behalf. I should instead read. And what I do is I do mark up my Bible. I write in my Bible. I print out a manuscript uh, every Sunday. And the people that follow my manuscript on the screen say, you never preach your manuscript. And I was like, I know, because the Holy Spirit interjects some things <laughs> on the fly. Um, but I, I tape it in my Bible. And one of, one of my parishioners said, uh, and I don't know if I like you taping your words over God's word. Uh, so I don't write in there because they're God's word, but I, they, they do mean something to me. But when I read, I underline, I jot down major themes first and then go to the commentaries. I find myself having spent time with Jesus first. And, uh, and so I would say that those are the times of, of success. And let me just say a side note here. Uh, one thing that I also do and I tell our congregation this, I post my manuscript online, so when you can go and listen to a sermon, there's also a place where you can download my notes. I do footnotes where I have quotations. I say the source on which I get them. That does two things for me. 
number one, one of the things that he says is everything that you study cannot possibly be communicated in a 30 minute sermon. And so I could direct our people to further study that is greater than the a lot of time that I have to communicate the truth to you. But the second thing is, is that it reveals to our to my congregation that I'm not as smart as I sound uh, and that I've done homework and uh, I give credit to, to those people. And I think it protects me and my ministry. Yes. I think we live in a day and time, we see it playing out in, in the Southern Baptist Convention right now, that plagiarism is, is deadly to ministry. And uh, I think when you can be transparent in that regard, it only authenticates your ministry. And so uh, I posted online for two purposes. So we talked about text selection, talked about study. Number three, he talks about incarnational preaching. And the quote that stood out to me was when Heisler said, the truth must come really through the person, not merely over his lips, merely into his understanding and out through his pen. It must come through his character, his affections, his whole intellectual and moral being. It must come genuinely through him. And here he talks about application of the text. Application points come from time in study and being faithful to the text. Um, He says this, he says, do not issue an application that is not at all related to the text in which you just preached. That's not being faithful to applying the text that you just preached and that you studied for. And I think application in our day and time is a dangerous practice because I think this is where many pastors try to be too relevant and and say things that scripture does not say. And one thing that I've learned in my short amount of time preaching is that authenticity will always be relevant. You don't have to be cool. You don't have to have the latest words. You don't have to have all the neat lingo. You just need to be authentic. An authentic follower of Jesus will always be relevant, regardless of the times and how they change. I'll tell you where I have failed at incarnational preaching. When I have crafted a message with a particular person or a group of people in our church in mind. Have you ever preached at somebody? Uh, and instead, you're, you're, it's, like, it's like you're taking your anger and correcting that one individual and the rest of the whole suffers. Maybe I'm the only one that has done that. I don't know. My success here in incarnational preaching or uh, in developing application points is I take a cue from uh, love him or hate him, Andy Stanley, who says this, you should always ask the question, so what does this mean? When I study scripture, I'll I'll read it and say, so what does this mean for me? How can I apply this to my own life? And then that's where the application of scripture comes out for, for me. Text selection, study, incarnational preaching, And then number four, internalization. He says what people need to see in the pulpit is someone who has been changed and transformed by the truth he is proclaiming, not an imposter under the pretense of false spirituality. The thought that I just jotted down here is uh, study is a vital and difficult task, but perhaps the most important work is internalizing your sermon. One of the things that I try to do is never set foot in the pulpit until the sermon has spoke to me first. 
there are numerous keys that I'm that I found out in my in a little bit of research that I've done on sermon internalization. He gives four um, that I think are are vital, and they are prayer, germination, visualization, and then personalization. Prayer, germination, visualization, and personalization. When it comes to the germination, one of the things that I have found helpful for me in internalizing my own sermon is to talk with my buddies about what this scripture is communicating. Man, this is just really weighing heavy on me because of this. And I found that um, our executive pastor, Jeff Julian, he is a he walks with Jesus, and he'll say something, and I'll be like, man, why'd you have to say that? Because that hurt, that, that steps on my toes. Right? And so this one way for me to bounce off with other people uh, and allow them to speak into, into that too and to challenge me, that often allows me to allow the message to germinate. It's extremely important. My failure here is whenever I rush to be done, check a box, or I procrastinate because I've allowed other things to take the place of what is my most important task, or when I become satisfied with my message you know if I'm I'm never satisfied with my message um, I don't want to be just happy with it I want it to continue to germinate and to marinate uh, in my heart my success is whenever I often say I'll, I'll often say this to our congregation I'll often say listen what I'm about to share I'm preaching to myself y'all just happen to be in the room and I, and I truly mean that I'm preaching to I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to my heart. And man, if, if the Holy Spirit uh, uses it and yours, great. Again, I think I think uh, we have all taken classes on preaching, read books on preaching. We can become mechanical with it uh, to such a degree that we fail to internalize it. And uh, and you know what's interesting is that sermon internalization is just now beginning to be a topic that that is being addressed. And maybe it's always been there. We've just lost the attention of it. But it requires a sense of intentionality for us to make sure that the sermon first preaches to us before we ever preach it to anybody else. That's going to bring this episode of the podcast to a close. We want to thank you for listening. If you have questions or want to know more about the broader work of our churches that make up the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association, you can visit our website at www.harmonypittsburgh.com or you can contact us here by emailing jeremy, that's J-E-R-E-M-Y, at harmonypittsburgh.com. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast.